Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's best books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 52 books per year and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each book. Today, I'm going to cover On Reading Well by Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor, Finding the Good Life Through the Great Books. This was book one for my 2022 reading list. Well, I came into the new year having a lot of questions, and these were questions that were based on my other reading for this project, and just questions that have been bouncing around in my head for, for a while, in, in the last year in particular, but really strongly in the last three months. And I went into reading this first book for the year, not particularly thinking that it would answer any of these questions. I, I actually thought this book was going to be more of a love fest about reading. You know, just one of those books that just kind of gets you in the in the mood for reading and in, in, in the spirit and just kind of tells you all the great things about reading. And, and there was parts of it that were like that, but this book was so much more than that. This book actually directly answered the main questions I've been pondering for the, this past year and, and, and longer. And it was just the perfect book at the perfect time. Now, that rarely happens in my reading life. I mean, to the point where if I had read this book just three months prior, it would not have had the same impact as having st- had started it on January 1st of this year. So it's a rare occurrence, but I love when that happens. And I, I, I put on social media while I was reading this, I, I said, it's, it's as if Dr. Pryor had wiretapped my brain for the past year and then clearly and concisely responded to the questions that I've been pondering during that time. So, so what is this book? Let's, let's take a step back. What, what is this book? It's, it's a book about virtue. Uh, virtue is this quaint concept from the ancient times. And, and I joke when I say that, but really, I mean, when was the last time that you talked about or even thought about virtue? I, I read some books last year by Adam Smith, David Hume, and Bernard Mandeville, and there was a lot of talk about virtue. And, and it was shocking I, I mean, truly, it was shocking that, that it's just not how we talk anymore. We talk about values, we'll talk about goals, and we'll talk even about identity, but we sure don't talk about virtues anymore, do we? Maybe we think we don't need them anymore, uh, like like we've progressed beyond virtues or, or the necessity of having virtues. But when I was reading about those virtues, it made me question things like why we don't talk about them. Why, why don't we hear people talk about practicing the virtue of prudence or temperance? Uh, I mean, do we even know what those terms mean? I, I got a major education in this book about what those terms mean, what they've meant in the past, how, how we use them now, and how that's not even what they really mean. And in fact, we don't even use a lot of these terms appropriately anymore. We use them in a demeaning way. So for prudence, I mean, the, the main way we use that word nowadays is to, to refer to somebody as a prude. And that's not not even the what prudence is, is made of. So this book covers 12 virtues over 12 chapters and connects these 12 virtues to 12 works of literature. In each chapter, Dr. Pryor digs into the origins of the words of the virtues, so the, the etymology of the, of the virtues. So what was the original meaning and how has that changed? And she talks about each virtue as a balance between two vices. So the vices will live on either side of the spectrum of the virtue. There's a deficiency and an excess. So for example, with courage, courage is the virtue. The deficiency is cowardliness. 
the excess is rashness, just being, you know, too, too rash. So courage then lives right in between those, those two vices. So for, for, for the vices or for the virtues in this book, Dr. Pryor goes on each side of it then of, of the excess and the, and the deficiency. And that just helps you to, to get a better idea of, of what these virtues are. And, and the vices come easy. Uh, Dr. Pryor says that virtue must be practiced. It must become a habit. It must be inhabited by a person in order to attain excellence. And so what is excellence? Dr. Pryor says excellence is another way of saying virtuous, or a term that we may use uh, having a flourishing life or, or having a, a happy life, or as the subtitle of the book suggests, the good life, finding the good life through the great books. So I wanted to talk quickly about the three main questions I had coming into this book, just not not even expecting this book to address them, but the three questions that were bouncing around in my head. And let me preface the first one here briefly. So I'm I'm speaking in particular to the Christian faith here. Uh, in, In Ephesians, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So uh, end quote there. So if if that's if it's not by works, what role do works play in it? If if saved by grace through faith, what role do works play? Should they be disregarded? Are any works just an attempt to earn my way to God? And then what about these virtues? Am I supposed to work on these virtues? Do they come from God and I manage them? Or how how does all this work? And so the, my first question can can really be boiled down to this. Of the virtues, which ones require God and which ones can I attain through changing habits or behaviors in my life? So of the virtues, which ones must come from God? Which ones, which ones have to originate from God and which ones can I, can I work on? Can I attain through just being human and and changing habits and, and changing how I do things? And if you think I'm making this question up, just listen to two episodes ago when I covered Atomic Habits. At the end of that episode, I asked this question, saying it was something bouncing around in my head. And I closed out that thought in the episode saying, it's a question I hope to explore deeper in other readings. And lo and behold, just a few books later, I'm reading about it. And and I'll cover Dr. Pryor's answer to that in the next episode in the next segment, the answer to that question in, in my other two questions. So that was the first question of the virtues, which require God and wh- which can be done by, by humans. The second question had to do with virtues more in general, as I was reading about them in, in Adam Smith and David Hume and, and the others. Uh, what, what role do virtues play in our world today? Uh, would a focus on in a discussion around the virtues be of any value to our culture? The third question had to do with means versus ends. Does a noble end justify ignoble means? And if you've listened to any of the recent episodes, this is pretty much all I've talked about after reading Robert Caro's series on Lyndon B. Johnson. This is a question that comes up all the time in that. And and I, I, I know that noble ends do not justify ignoble means, but this book provided more substantial language around why that is the case and, and gave me just kind of a an ex- expanded way to think about it. So let's move into segment two next and, and just see how Dr. Pryor directly answered these three questions I had going into reading on reading well. First thing that Dr. Pryor does in this book is to distinguish between the virtues. 
So there's 12 virtues she covers within 12 chapters of the book, and then she divides those 12 virtues into three different categories. So the first category are the cardinal virtues, and she defines cardinal as meaning hinge. So these are the four virtues that all of the other virtues hinge upon, and they are prudence, temperance, justice, and courage. The second set are theological virtues. These are faith, hope, and love. And then the final set are heavenly virtues. And these are chastity, diligence, patience, kindness, and humility. So just even by the categorization of these virtues, she answers my first question by identifying which are human origin and which come from God or come as a gift from God. And so the cardinal virtues have a different origin than the theological virtues. And the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love originate from God. And that just may seem like the most insane idea. Because we love, right? You love things. You have hope in things. You have faith in things. So what? why why do those have to come from God? And what, what does that even mean? And here's where Dr. Pryor does a great job in distinguishing the different types. So for hope, there's this natural passion of hope, but then there's also a theological virtue of hope. And and they're different. And she talks about those differences. And for love, there, there are four different types of love. We we have one word that kind of encompasses a lot of different things, but there, there are four kind of distinct ideas of, of love, with agape being the love that, that must come from, from God, that originates from God. And since this is a book that ties literature together with these virtues, I thought the best th- the best way to talk about this would be to share a story that 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 Dr. Pryor shares here in in the book, and it's about love and, and how love would originate from God. So here here's the start of a a paragraph here. Yet being capable of this love does not necessarily translate into possessing it. In fact, two of the profoundest miracles in my life consisted of God granting me supernatural love for two people for whom I could not muster love for my own strength, despite my great effort to do so. Both were fellow Christians with whom I worked closely. Both were people whose personality simply rubbed against mine. I willed myself to love them in my own strength, but I could not. Finally, I asked God to give me a supernatural love for both of these people. It did not happen overnight. I did not feel it taking place. But in both cases, after a few months passed, I suddenly realized that my attitude and feelings towards these people had gradually but completely transformed. I loved them. And in loving them, I came to see them completely differently. Nothing about them had changed. Everything in me had utterly changed. This was supernatural love. It reflects what Lewis writes in Mere Christianity. He will give us feelings of love if he pleases. We cannot create them for ourselves. End quote. So that uh, that was a neat way to to talk about that distinction of of trying to muster up that love in herself and not being able to do so, but 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 asking God for that love for others, and then over a period of time that that love beginning to to happen and, and her knowing that that did not come from her. So th- that's what that's what she's talking about when she talks about the difference between virtue wh- where the where the virtues originate from. Some being where it's possible for for it to originate with us, others where it must be uh, implanted in us in in a way and th- and then go out from there. So that helped answer that that question for me. 
And further back to that, to the question in, in the verse I shared earlier from Ephesians, while our works cannot save us, Dr. Pryor says, our habits can strengthen our faith. And so there are the virtues that I can and I should seek in order to make them habits, to move in the direction of the virtue and away from the vice of excess or deficiency. But there are also the virtues that I must receive from God as a gift. I can then move the application of that gift in one direction or another through habits. I, I, I don't know about you, but for me, this was a huge breakthrough in my thinking. Just the, the separating of the virtues into what are human and what are divine. That This was a question that I'd had for a while, and it's a question I hear others state. Maybe not in, in the same way I stated it, but just almost like a, if... If I can do this, why? If I can do something like this in my life, why? Why do I need God's help? And and that's kind of the the basic part of of that question. And this helped me think through that. In in what what's what is what's my responsibility? What what is something that God must do within me? Second question: What role do the virtues play for us today? From here, I'm going to read earlier. In the book. And here we go. This question centers on whether virtue is an end in itself or a means to some other end. The evidence that many think of, of it is, as the latter can be seen in the pervasive belief today that if one simply does a certain thing right, the reward will be a particular desired outcome. This way of thinking about virtue owes in part to the fact that we no longer have a sense of our larger purpose. Without knowing what the purpose of a bicycle is, we cannot determine its excellence. Similarly, we can hardly attain human excellence if we don't have an understanding of human purpose. Human excellence occurs only when we glorify God, which is our true purpose. Absent ultimate purpose, we look for practical outcomes. End quote. So I, I loved that. She, she talks about uh, the Aristotelian philosophy of virtue in that it's tied to a human purpose or, or a telos. So it's tied to some ultimate end or purpose. And that purpose for Aristotle would have been um, living well or, or human happiness or human flourishing. But she distinguishes that with the the Christian ultimate end or purpose, and that being to to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So, what what role do the virtues play for us today? Is is it just is it is it just for the sake of being virtuous? And and I think that's where that shock came in 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 reading those books with uh, so much discussion about virtues is we just don't talk that way anymore. So so no, you don't hear people just talking about. I, I I want to be virtuous just for virtue virtue's sake. But what if the virtue is is a part of a larger purpose of of your life? And these these virtues are guiding towards that that purpose. It, it's a part of that purpose as opposed to just kind of a a one-off, like being virtuous for the sake of being virtuous. So that second second question of what roles do the virtues play for us today just kind of helped give give thought of there are a few different ways that we can think about it. it just one, just being virtuous for virtue's sake, uh, or to try to gain some certain end for for your life, or as it being part of a larger purpose. Now the third question about means versus ends is answered in 
Dr. Pryor's section about prudence, the very, the very first chapter. So I'm going to read uh, just a small, small part here. Prudence is wisdom at work on the ground, doing good and avoiding evil in real life situations. On the other hand, the practical nature of prudence is the very thing that so easily distorts it, because prudence is concerned with the means to an end. It is easily confused with pragmatism, easily corrupted by justifying the means with the end. End quote. I mean, that just, that so perfectly encapsulates what the books about Lyndon B. Johnson by Robert Carroll are, are all about. Because Robert Carroll talks about about LBJ's pragmatism and that being kind of the defining aspect of his life in the pragmatism to get to a desired end. And within that, there was no morality. Like morality was out, out the window. The, the whole thing for LBJ was to achieve an end of becoming president and whatever it took to get there, he, he would do. And I, and I love that she, she, distinguishes here between prudence and pragmatism because pragmatism is the corruption and it's the corruption of justifying the means with the end. So you look at the end and then anything to get there is, is right. But by doing that, by corrupting the means to get to the end in perhaps even having a good end in mind, the, by corrupting the means, the end becomes corrupted as well. And speaking of the corruption of, of the virtues, one thing that comes up over and over in this book is the, the importance of truth in the virtues. You can't have the virtues without truth. So for instance, the virtue of kindness, Dr. Pryor contrasts that with, with niceness, and they're not the same thing. You can be nice without there being any truth in it. You could just be nice to somebody, but they're not being, uh, and she talks about the origin of that word of nice and, and, and there being a, a aspect of, of ignorance to the understanding of that word. So there, there's almost an ignorance of, about what's actually happening with a person and, and you can just be nice to them without knowing what's going on. Kindness, however, has the word kin in it, in, in this idea of family. And with family, you're going to confront somebody that's not on the right path or, or in the right direction. And so that may not, that could, that could be the opposite of nice in the sense of, of what we think of as, as nice, but kindness is, is a deeper thing and it, it includes truth. And so she goes through so many of the different virtues in this book of the, of the 12 virtues and shows how truth is such a crucial aspect of the virtue and it keeps it from becoming corrupted. So next up, I'm going to cover the one thing, my one key takeaway from this book on reading well. When I look back over this book, the thing that struck me the most is just that this idea of a, of a continuum of, of the virtues in the sense that there, there's, a, there's a tension inherent in the virtues. They're, they're, the, the virtue itself is a balance between two ends of a spectrum, two ends that are vices. There's the deficiency and the excess, and the virtue lives in between that. And so there, within that constant tension, there, there, there is a necessity of, of moving in a direction towards that virtue or 
if you're if you're not moving towards it, you're moving away from it. And you're moving towards one of one of the vices. And these these virtues can be so easily corrupted. And one of the main ways that they can be corrupted is to mistake the purpose of the virtue. And if the purpose of the virtue is to gain some sort of an advantage or get something that you want, then that is manipulation and, and it is not virtue. And that corrupts the whole thing. And it, it gets back to that means verse verse ends. But with the virtues, is is there a larger purpose to the virtues? Or are, is it just a one-off thing? Is it just there for its own sake? Or is it there for achieving a certain end? Good, good thing to think about. And I loved how she tied it together to literature. And just, it, it, it helps you th- look for this and look for, for these things in, in the books that you're reading. So how, how does this all tie together with the great books? Well, here's a quote from the book, the stories in which we are immersed project onto our imaginations visions of the good life, as well as means of obtaining it. We must imagine what virtue looks like in order to act virtuously, end quote. So there, there's an idea throughout this book that we, we can almost become voyeurs in a way of, of the virtuous life by reading literature. We can, we can see what a virtuous life leads to. We can also see what the vices lead to in, in, in other characters. And, and it's a good way to, to look at it from the, from the outside and to see what, uh, to, to enhance our imaginations about what the good life looks like, the virtuous life, the excellent life, what that looks like. So a few closing thoughts. Uh, things that I really appreciated appreciated about this book is that Dr. Pryor defines the words that she uses, and she also defines their opposites and the perversions of each of the of the virtues, the excesses and the deficiencies that that then become the vices. She ties these virtues together with great works of literature. It actually made me want to to read a lot of these works, and and I did make some some changes on my great books list that's coming up to include some of these in there as well. One thing I thought that was really funny is that stoicism was defined as a deficiency in a number of the virtues. If you were just to go about things in a stoic manner, that was actually the deficiency of the virtue, and I just thought it was was rather funny because stoicism is, is, is trendy now. And there's, there's all these books coming out about it. And, and in this book, it was, it was, it was really defined as, as a deficiency in, in a lot of ways. So let me close out with this quote, reading well is in except in itself, an act of virtue or excellence. And it is also a habit that cultivates more virtue in return. End quote. I just love how this book tied together so many questions I had, so many ideas I've been thinking about, tied together the idea of, of habits that I, I just read about in Atomic Habits, and, and it got me thinking of, of what, what habits come from, from God, what, what can we, or, or what, what virtues come from God, what can we do in terms of habits to, to enhance uh, virtues, uh, to, to seek after them. So great book in that sense. I, I highly recommend this one. It, it's one of my favorites that I've read for this project and and helped me. I, I, I will not be the same thinker after having read this book. Uh, like I, I'll be approaching books in a different way. And, and just even these questions that were bouncing around, it, it, it led to some other questions, but it also kind of 
gave me answers to, to some of those. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you've read this book, I'd, I'd love to hear what you thought, maybe something I missed. Uh, it, you can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com. You can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter. The website's stock full of resources to help you find the best books and to create your own reading list. I'll be back in a couple of weeks to discuss another book from my series, uh, uh, or, or a book from my 2021 reading list. And until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.